cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are Two Guys One Cup Hello and welcome to Two Guys One Cup Summer Edition My name is Charlie Clawson And this series is my club And this week my guest is Shane D'Elia Celebrity chef, entrepreneur and sneaker enthusiast He is also a genuine Western Suburbs boy Who follows the Western Bulldogs. Uh, we talk about the 2016 Grand Final, uh, what it was like following the team back at Witten Oval or the Western Oval as it was known back then, and what he hopes is going to happen in 2021. It's a great chat. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen, Shane Delia. Shane, thank you so much uh, for doing uh, Two Guys One Cup, my club. Um, I feel like. You know, I do uh, Two Guys One Cup with another Bulldog supporter, but I'm glad that I've gone in a different direction. I feel like people have heard enough about Will's experiences. I want to go to a genuine <laughs> Western Suburbs guy, someone, you know, who's uh, red, white and blue uh, to their very core. How did you get started following the Bulldogs? Oh, mate, look, it's, it's, uh, it, it's been a lifelong story and journey. I mean, my dad came to Australia um, in 1970, um, you know, a really great time for footy, um, and, and started working at the at the um, Dunlop factory right opposite the Western Oval. So, and he really wanted to assimilate when he came to Australia. He really wanted to be Australian. And you know, back then, the most you know Australian things you could do was you know buying a Holden and going to the footy. So he did both. <laughs> and um, you know, all, all the boys that were on the production line with him, you know, took him in and said, "Mate, come to the footy with us." And he became a Bulldog supporter. So, you know, it's it's, it's flowed through the veins ever since. So was that like uh, were all the guys who worked at that factory were they all Bulldog supporters? Was it a genuine like Western suburbs kind of thing, a Footscray supporters? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, back then that 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 factory was sort of, you know, it, you came to work at the factory and then you lived in the area and, you know, you really embraced sort of the area that you lived in and you supported the local club. So mm. um, a lot of the guys that he worked with on the on the line were, you know, genuine Bulldog supporters. They'd park there and then even on their days off on the weekends, they'd use their, their you know, employee parking because there's no parking at the Western Oval <laughs> um, to get into the Dunlop factory and, and walk across the road to watch the game. And so did you go to Witten Oval as a kid? Yeah, all the time. I mean, it was sort of, you know, you know, we'd go on the weekend. We had a bit of a ritual. Dad would, you know, make us do all of our chores in the morning, clean the house, help him in the garden, do all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, we, 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 we were blessed in many ways as kids, but we didn't have a bucket load of cash, right? So, you know, we'd get up in the morning, we'd go to the bakery, we'd come home, dad would make, you know, lunch, we'd pack it all in there with your cans of Coke and everything else, put his backpack on and, you know, make the trek down to the, down to the Western Oval. So it was, it was great memories as a kid. I mean, it's funny, you and I have like similar kind of stories in terms of how we got into football. Like my family are all St Kilda supporters. My dad took me to my first game. It was very much like a family bonding kind of thing. I do talk to some people on this show who are in families where everyone goes for a different team. And it just, I don't understand how that works. Like my family would not be talking to each other. If, if, if for instance, there's a Hawthorne supporter in my household, how is that going to go down? Like the most successful club in the yeah. modern era versus my club. It would suck. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, like footy for me has always been about your pack, right? It's yep. about your tribe and, 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 and your pack is your family. So it, it's it's a family. It's I've always thought and really strongly believe it's a family experience. You support each other, and if anything, it, it actually gives you a 
a common ground to resolve some issues outside of football too, right? Like, I mean, I know that no matter what relationship my dad or I had as kids, um, when we got in the car and we went to the footy, we were now united again because we were supporting the boys and we were doing it. It was re- it was really good. And even now to you know to, to, to the present day, um, every year for Christmas, I buy my brother and I buy my dad our memberships. And that's my Christmas present because I know we're going to keep celebrating it together all year. So it's it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I've been to the football with you a few times and I've met your brother and your dad. <laughs> and they are like genuine died-in-the-wall like Bulldog supporters, like evangelical <laughs> about the Bulldogs yeah. almost. <laughs> So as a kid growing up, like I know as a Saints supporter, you know, when I started following them was like the early 80s and that was like our lowest point. That was when we won like seven wooden spoons or something like that. So do you remember sort of like, because the Bulldogs weren't bad. They were playing, they were contesting in some finals around that period of time. But how do you feel like it shaped your identity? Were you like getting bullied by Carlton supporters and Essendon supporters and all those kind of big club teams? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially because, I mean, I come from a big family, right? Like, and, and, and I, I mean, my family are Bulldog supporters because my dad's story was that he came to, you know, Footscray and worked in it. But my dad's also got eight sisters, right? And and generally, I don't know if it's right or wrong, I'm not the most politically correct guy, but when we get married, our, our, our wives generally not more. So, um, like, my wife was a, was a St Kilda supporter um, and now she's a Bulldog supporter. So, no, when, when, right. my, um, when my, yeah, so when my aunties all, got married they didn't really have a strong allegiance to a footy club but they automatically adopted their husbands you know uh, so we've got like you know hawk supporters and geelong supporters within our cousins family group so you know we copped a lot of shit a hell of a lot you know you'd get it at school you know back then you know oz kick thing it wasn't called oz kick i don't think but the, you know, the footy players would come to school and mm. you know being in the western suburbs catchment area they you know when they came you suddenly grew an extra two feet because the bloke that was picking on you about the Hawks winning, suddenly when, you know, Scotty White was there, you're like, say something now, say something now. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of shit given. Um, But, you know, I think it helped shape you too, right? Like, I mean, I've always backed myself as a bit of a fighter, a bit of a hustler, a bit of a Western suburbs bloke. And I think those, those moments of maybe not winning all the time and understanding you have to be resilient and you don't always win, but it, but it shapes you. I think that, they're the things I learned as a kid through footy. And then when you do have those wins and like you were there to see it with us, you know, when we did have that big win in 16, it just makes all those years of bullshit worth it. Uh, it was amazing. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of tragic in a way because I felt like the bridesmaid, you know, watching my best friend get married. And I was like, when will it ever, when will it ever happen to me? But it was an extraordinary grand final to be at. Like just the, the way that game played out and, the, you know, it wasn't just that game. It was that entire final series yeah. was incredible and and sort of being there and like when I, when I talk to other uh, supporters of, of clubs that have only won a flag or you know or haven't won a flag like your Frio supporters or whatever there is this kind of um, um, justification for why we put so much energy into football that it's like well when it finally does happen it'll be it'll be worth the wait and I agree with that in some sense, but part of me is like, that's a loser mentality. <laughs> that's some way to kind of justify being in a terrible relationship. But it did happen with you. And I remember sort of seeing, like, I, what, following all the news coverage uh, after the match and just and all the wonderful stories that came out of it, but just seeing how, um, you know, Melbourne's West embraced it, you know, seeing people in the streets and, like, the way people are honking their horns and, like, going out and celebrating. And it was really, really uh, heartwarming. 
because the Bulldogs mm. are genuine scrappers. Like it's not just because they're from the West of Melbourne, but like as a football club and, you know, the history of them not even playing in a grand final since, was it like 1956 or something like that yeah. prior to, to, to yeah. 2016? So there was something really, really romantic about it. Do you think that that identity that the Bulldogs have of being the scrappers, do you think that that will shift now that you've tasted success or are you guys cl- clinging on to that more than ever? Yeah, no, I think I think it defines us who we are. I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think we ever portray ourselves as being the underdog. I mean, you know, excuse the punt, but yeah. I think that that whole fight, that fighting, grinding, uh, blue collar, you know, um, working class mentality will always be, you know, stuck to the dogs. But I mean, it's it, when you were talking about, you know, when we won and the whole how the Western suburbs rejoiced and I... I think football rejoiced, to be honest. I mean, I think that was a bit a resurgence for football culture and a real Aussie yeah. football culture again. You, you you saw people backing each other, and 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 whether you're a bomber supporter, or a hawk supporter, it was it was yeah, it was a great game, and it wasn't Sydney Melbourne, it wasn't none of that. It was just it was just that this is a traditional club. They've been scrappers their whole career, and this is what football's about, you know. Mm. And I think that some brilliant stories came out of it. And like I, you know, I spoke to so many different people from so many that back so many different clubs, and they were all really happy. It was the first time in a long time that I've seen the whole football community be happy for a win. Well, it's kind of so like it's, it's a reason why you know you know the Rocky franchise endures, or the Karate Kid, or any story about yeah. like the scrappy kid you know who's coming up against an unbeatable opponent because if you looked at Sydney that year you know they were easily the best team going around they had you know the best player in the league in Buddy Franklin and you could just sense from that first kind of quarter when Buddy got injured like there was blood in the water especially oh yeah (laughs) coming off the back of the final series like you know that um, prelim against GWS will go down as like one of the greatest games in history I'm not sure how your heart was doing <laughs> at the end of that game. Oh, but, mate, I almost, almost died. <laughs> but the fact that you got to that grand final in such combative fashion, you know, you beat Hawthorne, you beat the Eagles in Perth. Like there was just, mm. there was just something irresistible about it. I don't think, well, personally, I didn't believe you were going to win. I don't think a lot of people going into that grand final thought you were going to win until Buddy's injury. And then it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like you could yeah, just yeah. see the young, the young pups get their tails up. And there was, this, there was just something. I felt like, the, you know, for me watching that game as a neutral supporter, you just kept waiting for them to, the Bulldogs to grind them down because you knew that they saw an opportunity in the way Bevo coaches them, which is to never give up and to play that real physical contested style of football. It was just a question of will the class of the Swans just be too good or will the dogs be able to drag them down into the mud <laughs> Turn it into a scrap. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't. You said I don't think anyone was expecting them to win. I, I bloody expected them to win. Did you? <laughs> you know, I, I, I was. I mean, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position. You know, I'm an ambassador of the club. Um, that year, especially, I'd had a really, really good relationship with you know the senior coaching staff, players, junior players. I, I felt like I was kicking the ball with them. You know what I mean? So like, you kind of get caught up in that whole, that whole. Um, you know, movement of we're going to win, we're positive. Because in the club, you think you're winning, right? Like if you're on the field, you're there to win. You're not thinking you're not going to lose. So I kind of selfishly, you know, it sucks some of the oxygen out of them and, and, and use that as my, you know, uh, my own my own power. But um, it, it, I, I was, I mean, I was in tears. You know, there's a photo, I think, at the end of me, my brother and my dad and like, you guys were sitting next to us and 
I was just, I couldn't even speak, mate. I have know? a video of you. I mean, you say you knew they were going to win, but when there was about 30 seconds to go, I walked down the stairs so I could get a shot of the group of you. And when the siren went, you are speechless. Like you were like a statue for the first 30 seconds. Like your mouth's yeah. open, you're just staring into space. Like it's, it's a great yeah. bit of footage. But I mean, just the emotion and the release, like that's what I'll remember from that day is just that entire bay that we're sitting in who were the hard, hardest of the hardcore Bulldog supporters. Just like... That's 50 years of like pent up emotion, you know, just released in one moment. I tell you when I couldn't speak was the next morning, mate. I was that bloody hungover. It wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to uh, when you first started following the Bulldogs. So was there a player like, was it all about Doug Hawkins when you started following or is there another player who sort of captured your imagination? Uh, look, I mean, I think Doug was the kind of the, the icon, the pin-up boy back then when I started playing. But I mean, when well, I'm playing when <laughs> the I started, pin-up uh, boy, when it's I started, the only time. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> it's only time to be used in that context. <laughs> uh, but you know, look, I, I, I think I. What, what's been great is that I've actually had a chance to establish some really great relationships with some of the guys that I watched playing. You know, like I mean, you, wow. you, you know, you, you sit there, I think that you know, you're watching sort of, you know, Rowan Smith. And, you know, you know, like, you know, Chris Grant and Luke Darcy and Scott Wind and, um, you know, all these great, you know, Gio and, you know, even Simon Garlic and like these guys that I sort of looked up at, you know, as a kid, they've got a couple couple of years on me, not a huge amount, but, you know, you look at them going, well, these, these, these guys are heroes. And then um, later establishing, you know, really genuine relationships with them. It's been, uh, it's been a privilege. Um, but yeah, mm. I suppose when I first started, it was kind of, like even like Simon Beasley was sort of you know, and, and now I've got a friendship with his daughter. Funnily enough, <laughs> but um, um, but it's yeah, you, you know, you had Simon Beasley. Then you look at um, um, Richard Osborne who came to us from Sydney. Oh, um, yeah, you know, like course, you know, yeah. he was kind of like smacking in a few goals. And we've always been that club that's kind of taken sort of these superstars that have maybe dimmed a little bit, and then we bring them in and hope they're going to you know reignite the team. And um, they do for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think it's always a lot more rewarding when we can breed our own. And we're seeing that in the modern players, you know, with Bonds and Pally and all these other guys, right? Yeah, well, the interesting thing I thought about, you know, the Bulldogs when he, in 2016 is it's the Rocky analogy again. Like by Rocky Three, you know, he's appearing on the Muppets, yeah. you know, he's doing <laughs> exhibition matches with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. How do you maintain that that feet on the ground, you know, hard, work, hard workers, like working class footy team when you're the premiers? And I feel like, you know, from a commercial sense in terms of the uh, sponsorship and, and all those opportunities and membership and stuff, it's great for the Bulldogs. But, you know, they can't lose that identity that has made everyone fall in love with them in the first place. How do you think going forward, you know, you've, your list is still in really good shape. You know, who knows what will happen in the next few years. If you win more premierships, do you think it's a balancing act? Like, how do you maintain that those working class roots with still like, you know, the excellence of, on the field? You know, I think that it's a it's, that's a really good question, and I think that's not just a football question. That's a that's a business question and a life question. You know, how do you and what you're talking about is humility, right? I mean, how do you how do you maintain mm. humility, respect amongst yourself and and and, and the broader community with success, right? Because Australia's got a, a, this fucking terrible disease of, you know, of tall poppy syndrome and chopping down people who are succeeding, and 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 it happens a lot. And because I think. You can't always blame others, right? You have to look at yourself, you know. And I've always, not that I've, I've been, not that I've been incredibly successful in anything I've done, but I've had a little bit of success in some things. And the way I've tried to maintain, I suppose, that bulldog's heritage of I'm the Western Suburbs boy, I'm a hard grafter, is stay humble. You know, stay. Don't. I think if we start getting successful as well, more successful as a club, and we pack on some wins and we 
get some good sponsors and we get some superstars like we have, if they really stay true to those core fundamentals of what makes our club great, um, you know, those working class, honest, you know, um, really sort of transparent qualities, then we'll be okay. But as soon as that starts going off track and you start playing the fool and you start pretending like putting yourself out there as a target and talking too much shit, yeah. that's when it gets derailed. You know, that's when it starts to be, you start to become a target. That's when tall poppy steps in and that's when you see it just come like a cancer throughout the organization. Yeah, I was talking to um, uh, Josh Earl uh, last week about uh, he's a North Melbourne supporter and talking about, you know, the going out of the Wayne Carey era, those premierships in the late 90s and then when everything fell apart and it's like, well, how do you, you know, they had a superstar player, a bunch of really good players around him and, you know, they were the dominant team for a number of years. But then eventually things do fall apart, players get older, you have to start managing that list. And it's really, really difficult if you don't have strong leadership do you feel like the list the bulldogs have now with a player like bontempelli he's your rolls royce your blue chipper do you think that he's the kind of guy you can build a team around and continue to evolve in the way like a, a hawthorne's done in the last 10 years yeah most definitely i think i think with with what marcus the, the great thing is that he's a really good person for, for you know primarily i mean yes he's a brilliant footballer and he's and 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 like all elite people, a lot of room, a lot of room to grow too, right? I mean, he's not at the top of his game. His best years are ahead of him. Um, but he's a good person. He's got good values. He respects his sisters, his his mum, his dad, and he's got the respect of the group because of what he does. You know, so he came in as a young yeah. guy. He was a target straight away, and he's just kind of punch through, punch through, punch through. But he's he's really humble. You don't ever see Marcus wiling out. You know, his Instagram feed isn't full yeah. of bullshit. You know, he's, he, he yeah. is who he is. Um, and, and he will, you know, I don't want to put the, put the mods, mods on him, but he could mess up sometime, right? He's a young bloke. That's what people forget as well. This bloke's, you know, he's at the top of his game. Um, you know, good looking bloke, you know, good rig on him, you know, making good coin. Eventually, shit. I mean, me at his age, I was nutbag. You know, something, <laughs> you, know, you know, something's going to happen, right? But I think he's got yeah. his, the qualities that he has and the respect that he has amongst the group that he will always be a leader within there. And, you know, it's, it's, and, and, and he's creating a good culture of people around him. Um, you know, some of the, some junior yeah. players are coming. Imagine, I mean, I look back at, you know, look at every business in a succession form, you know, and you, you I look at that era of, the, of, of Bulldogs with the players I mentioned before, you know, Scotty Wine and West and Chris Grant and Bubba and, you know, Jono and all these great players, you know, they came in with it as a young pups and looked up to a bigger era. Um, They've now moved on. I mean, look at the young guys that we've got coming in the team now with that strong leadership group that they have, you know, with 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 Lockie Hunter mm. and you know and, and Jackson McRae and 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 Bont and Pally and you know uh, and, and Wallace and all these guys who were our juniors not so long ago are now senior pack. And they're they're, they're morally yeah. they're morally a good group of guys. So I think they'll be all right. I mean, I think a lot of that just from an outsider perspective seems to um, come down to, to Bevo. Like, I think that he, he definitely has the players and they listen to him and he's kind of got that, you know, we joke that he's like the cool, he's the cool coach, yeah. you know, <laughs> rides his skateboard and stuff and <laughs> listens to the same kind of music that they, they listen to. But, you know, in the way that, you know, they, um, um, that they moved on, uh, oh, what's his name? His place for Essendon now, uh, the package. Um, uh, a, oh, uh, uh, Stringer. Yeah, uh, Stringer. But the, the way that he came out and, you know, the sort of statement that Bevo made about that and you sort of seem like he he does speak his mind, Bevo, and I think he's really good with the press. And, and you get the sense that he kind of has instilled a set of values in these guys yep. that, you know, if they if they all buy in, 
that will hold them in good stead. I mean, who knows? Like coaches come and go and, you know, the minute you say his job's safe, we'll probably get sacked. Yeah. But I think, you know, that, that, that year of 2016 to me felt like you had a very inspirational coach who made these guys think that they could do anything, you know, if they all bought in and they did. So they saw results. So now his job is to kind of, you know, um, the guys who experienced that premiership in 2016, you know, Bevo's got to instill them with the leadership to then pass on to the guys you're bringing into the club now. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, and Bevo, I mean, I consider him a, a, a really good friend. I mean, I can, and I, I, I trust him. Um, and for me, that's a big thing. I mean, I, I really do trust him and um, I know that he trusts me and we have, we, we can have a beer, no problem. Uh, but what he, what he is, is he's a, he's a, he's a leader of men, right? I mean, he's, he's a real, right. ge- he's a real genuine leader and, and I think his biggest qualities are his, his, his vulnerability. I mean, he's not afraid to be vulnerable amongst his, amongst his group. Um, and he's really honest, you know? So I think that they're yeah. two really strong, really strong qualities that maybe in the old era weren't as valued. I mean, do you think vulnerability was yeah. a value, valued quality from an AFL coach? <laughs> no. um, but in- modern, modern coaches, it's such a complicated job, you know, like they've got to be able to speak to all different kinds of people and motivate them in different ways. But Bevo also has a neck that's this thick, so yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be messing with <laughs> Have you seen his guns? They're about. huge, those bloody things. He's, 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 a, he's a giant. <laughs> so uh, so uh, all the great players that have been through the doors at the Bulldogs, you know, is there one that stands out as like your all-time favourite? Is it like a Chris Grant or Scotty Wind, Wind, uh, one of those players? Uh, look, I mean, as a kid, I, you know, the Rolls Royce was 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 Chris Grant, right? I mean, so kind of I was, you know, you, you followed him because he had this majestic way about him, and you know, I think what I really what resonates with me as a kid was, I suppose, his loyalty to the club when he was trying to get approached, right? And he kind of said, turned down the big mm. pay packet. And said he's going to stick by the club. And for me, I mean, I, I remember that vividly. It, it really made me. A, I, I, I was already a rusted on supporter, but that moment showed no. This is this shows who we are as a club, and we fucking stick by each other. And and I kind of really respected him for that because um, he could have taken a bucket load of money, could have probably been in a more successful team, and who knows where his career would have ended up. But what what he did in that moment is he 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 really established not just who his legacy at the club. But the legacy for the club, you know, that he, he, I think he defined what we are as a club. But I think, I mean, for me, uh, I, I always liked the Bulldogs who the team of Wogs too, right? Like, I mean, I'm a Wog from the Western Suburbs. We always had a few, you know, Delray and, you know, Liberatore and, all, you know, all these guys kind of, you know, smart, you know, skirting around the club. You, you could have a few of blokes that I could probably connect with. Um, you know, it wasn't all, you know, sort of blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pretty Aussie boys. It was a few rough, ugly wogs like me in there. So, <laughs> so, you know, so, um, so it was like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that if it, to answer your question, probably Chris was the guy that I went, yes. Um, but, you know, you, I, I like... Well, that make, that, 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 that... It makes sense, you know. Like, it makes sense that that, you know, the fact that he showed loyalty, because it kind of reflects you know, your position as a supporter because the Bulldogs, there was no reason for you, like, you know, if you were to be like cold and objective, you know, what have the Bulldogs prior to 2016, what have they given you in return to earn your loyalty? Mm. But you had decided to stick with them because, the you know, a player, one of their best players ever stuck with them. So the example of loyalty, I think it's for, for teams like ours where there's not a lot to celebrate, gestures like that are huge, you know. I mean, I remember Stewie Lowe was the same thing in the 90s where... Fremantle, you know, offered him millions of dollars to go to Frio and, and he said no. 
and stuck around for a flag that never eventuated, you know, and the same with Chris Grant. But I do think that in this highly professional modern game we have now where, you know, free agency exists and players move like, you know, all the time, there is something about being a one-club player. You can still, you know, um, inspire and also uh, uh, become legend at your club by just sort of sticking to that, even if you don't have premiership success. Yeah, that's what I love about our, our, our code. You know, I think that... Um, a one-club player, especially somebody who, who may not be in the headlines all the time. I mean, I think that they're the unsung heroes. The guy that is there, he's done his whole career, battles through injury. Look at, look at, look at, you know, Dale Morris, all right? So, you know, one-club mm. player gave his body. And, you know, you talk about that premiership and Buddy Franklin being injured. I mean, Dale Morris played with a broken vertebrae in his fucking back. You know, and then rip down Buddy Franklin in the last minute for then Boyd to go and kick that goal. So, you know, like, I mean, unsung hero, great leader amongst the team. Now they're in a coaching capacity. You know, these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're inspirational people and they don't get enough uh, recognition for it. How many times have you watched the replay of that moment? Uh, do you reckon uh, you could do the commentary yourself? And <laughs> <laughs> the Western Suburbs are up. So it was one of, one of the, you know, like, I mean, I, I think... I pissed my pants when that happened. <laughs> there was a period of time after 2016 where if you went to visit Will, as like two minutes within entering the house, he'd take you into the TV just to show you <laughs> the last like five minutes of the grand final. Like it was insane. I mean, I can only imagine what it's like, uh, you know, like uh, having been there with you guys and, and, and sort of seeing like the joy and the relief. Was there anything unexpected that came out of winning that flag that you weren't planning on? Oh, um, wow. Um, oh, the, 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 the fall from grace the next year. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, you were like, this is it, the start of the dynasty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, like you always, when you're on high, you think you're going to keep winning titles, right? But, um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I kind of would have thought, I, I know, maybe because I'm such a rusted on supporter that we had enough resilience and, and maturity maybe um, to keep moving forward. But what we, I suppose what we didn't realise, well, we lost a lot of players at the end of that year, right? You know, like a ton of a ton a ton of players moved on, um, so it wasn't the same team. You know, and and then I kind of wasn't expecting that. You know, you kind of think, oh, we're up and about now, I want to keep moving forward. But when you start peeling back the onion, you start to realise that it's it's not the same. You know, and 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 it is a it, it did it did start our rebuild rebuilding process straight from then. So um, I suppose that's the biggest thing I didn't expect, but I should have expected too, right? Because when you start to look at it, you think, okay. Yeah, it, it, we're not playing with the same people. This is a different team and it's not going to be the same result. Well, it's so hard to judge because it's kind of like, you know, in 2008 when Hawthorne beat Geelong, when Geelong were like the raging favourites. And then Hawthorne fell off the map for like five years, didn't get back into the finals until like 2012. And you sort of had to ask yourself, like, were they ahead of schedule? Was this a freak occurrence? Like, you know, Will jokes that the Bulldogs weren't the best team in 2016, but they had the best four weeks of any team <laughs> in the <laughs> AFL. But it sort of does feel like, you know, uh, because if you were an Essendon or, uh, or a Hawthorne or, you know, West Coast or something like that, there would be serious questions asked about how can a team win a flag one year and then not play finals the next. Mm. But because you're the Bulldogs, yeah. everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, got, that got, kind got of makes lead, sense. They got to the top of the summit. There's low, not enough oxygen up there. They've passed out. Yeah, they yeah, forgot yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, I think we got a bit of a lead pass. I mean, and then it was probably the next couple of years where 
you know, a, a bit hard. But I, 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 I'm finding a lot of confidence from our season last year. Um, even the season before, I think we kind of did, you know, did quite well. We, we started to build up some muscle around our young boys. And uh, I, I think this year's, you know, every at the moment, everybody's on top of the ladder, right? And you're always full of hope at the beginning of the year. Mm. But just from what, and I haven't been focusing on any other teams. I've just been looking on sort of our guys and how they're progressing. But the way you hear the coach speak, the way you see the list progressing, you know, you know, you see even guys like Timmy English, you know, packing on a few extra kilos. And now he's got some support in the ruck as well. You, you look and you go, you know what, we've got the talent, we've got the speed, we've got that sort of sexy style as well. I think that we'll be all right. You know, my problem with Tim English is his bloody haircut. Yeah, I know. Like, it's a nothing haircut. It's like a fucking like cotton, the guy like a needs a, I mean, he, he's in the Western suburbs now. Can't someone go, like, you know, shave the sides of his head, put some channels in there? He needs a cooler haircut, right? He needs a fucking face tat. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, and, but, the, you know, can I tell you, his, if ever a haircut defines a person, his haircut defines, he is that guy. He's that, that really nice, softly spoken, you know, really beautiful boy that his haircut is just like, you know, it's, it's, that's him. Um. Well, if we, if, we, if we go back to another era of the Bulldogs, in the late 90s when, you know, um, under Terry Wallace, you were making those charge into the finals, two heartbreaking prelim finals in a row. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> the Saints, the, the Saints in '97 were kind of like the Bulldogs and the Saints were kind of have, telling parallel stories going into that final series. You know, both one flag each, but the Saints had all these like glamour players and you know like Nicky Winmar and Rob Harving with the media darlings, you know, as the underdogs. And then you had the Bulldogs who were scrapping their way and clawing Paul Kelly under packs and you know and beating and bashing their way into the finals. Do you feel like that team? in 97 and 98 that you had the players to win a flag? Yeah, I think, look, if you look at the quality in that team, I mean, they had a great list. Um, you know, they, these guys were serious talent and, and they've gone down in sort of West, in Western suburbs, Bulldog sort of folklore now. You know, these are some, some of the leaders, not just through that 90s, late 90s period, but even into the early thousands and um, they're still around the club. But I mean, it's not unique to the Bulldogs. I mean, if you look at, you know, Saints or you look at Essendon, or look at, you know, so many of these clubs who have always had these brilliant pools of talent the story is the same you know there's there's years that they've made finals they should have gone further or they should have won more flags so i mean it's not a poor me bulldog should have won more in that time but the, but most definitely they had the talent um they had the heart yeah. you know but what was what was it you know what is that magic ingredient that wins you flags and gets you further is it is it is it facilities is it nutrition is it training they're all the things we're kind of looking at now but Maybe they weren't such a, a focus back in the late 90s. Well, I think it's also there's an element of luck, you know, like it just happens that in 97, because I remember we had played the prelim on the Friday night, we beat North, and then I was listening to see who we were going to play uh, in the grand final, and I was listening to the, and the Bulldogs were leading the entire game, and then in that last quarter, Darren Jarman goes berserk, yeah. you know, there's a liver goal that's disallowed, and the Crows get over the line and it's just like if but for a few key bits of play, the Bulldogs are playing in the grand final. Here I was though, listening to that going, well, you know, as long as we put someone on Darren Jarman, <laughs> we'll be fine in 97. And then he does the exact same thing to us the following week. Like you talk about, you know, clubs arriving ahead of schedule or just not being the favourites. Like Adelaide, you know, they stole two premierships, yeah. like the 97, 98. They just snuck in there and that's right place, right time, and it can happen. It just sucks that it had to be our clubs yeah, that yeah. beat to get Well, there. mate, what about those fleeting moments? I mean, I was at, uh, as, a, as a neutral supporter, I was at that 
first premiership with you guys in Collingwood, you know, a couple more minutes on the clock and that would have been your game, right? That's been my t- entire existence. Like, Shane, i got to tell you, there's been so many times in my life where I've, I've, tr- I've not been able to sleep because I can see that ball bouncing away from <laughs> Stephen <laughs> And in my head, I'm like, if this keeps me up at night, imagine being him. Yeah. Imagine being any of those players. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, can I, th- I have never experienced a more eerie moment in AFL than... I mean, I remember I was there with my brother. We were there as neutral supporters, scored a couple of tickets. Best going to watch. I've been to so many grand finals as a neutral. That's the best because you're not invested in either yeah. camp. You know, it's a good night, good day out. And I remember sitting there. We had great seats. We are on the sort of the ground floor, you know, then a 50-meter 50 meter, 50 meter, uh, line. Beautiful day. And you're kind of like, come on, Sainers. Come on, Sainers. You're fucking always there. Oh, and then God. the siren went. And it was just eerie, man. Like... You yeah. kind of go, all right, well, what happens now? And then people started sort of standing up and you're like, what are you fucking standing up for? It, it, it can't be over. And then it was just over. It was like, oh, that was terrible. It's so St. Kilda, it's so St. Kilda too that like the last grand final we play in was a draw and then they don't do extra time, which we probably would have won if there'd been extra yeah. time because we had all the momentum. And 100%. then they scrapped the idea of a replay altogether. And it's like, great. So we were the test case yeah. <laughs> for them to change the fucking rules. I mean, but, so our team could actually win a flag on grand final day. Maybe I remember a few preliminary, you know, an elim- preliminary or elimination, I can't remember what it was, finals that we've been to playing against your mob and fucking getting kicked out. Pre- like, yeah, two, two prelims. Yeah, there's two, two prelims, mate. Like those, those two, the, the one that, you know, again, because I meet some Bulldog supporters who really don't like St Kilda and I've always wondered, like, well, how can you not like St Kilda? We're kind of like the same. Yeah. We're just like, we're the Bayside version of you guys. But then what I realised is that that 2009 grand final, because if you watch the re- uh, pre- prelim, sorry, if you watch the replay of that, like Nick Revolt is the hero who gets us across the line, who does that kick off the ground. You know, there's two minutes to go, scores are virtually tied and Revolt kicks that goal. But the ho- leading up to that game, he was a protected species. Mm. Like clearly Brian Lake had, uh, is cautioned by the umpires and he's playing a very physical Brian Lake style of game on Revolt. But there is one moment, I think it's in the start of the, the third quarter where Revolt's jogging to position and Brian Lake comes inside and bumps him, which in any other game, you know, would just be ignored. But Revolt went down, maybe he was caught underwears, maybe he was a bit soft in the legs, who knows? Like he might have played it up a bit. But it's an immediate free kick. And I remember that's the moment for a lot of Bulldog supporters where they're like, fuck you yeah. and fuck this game. <laughs> like this is an illegitimate, illegitimate victory. Yeah. Are there any teams that you feel that way about? Do you have any teams that you hate in particular? Oh, look, I'm not a fan of the Giants. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Of course. You know, I'm not a fan of the Giants. Of course. You know, they're they're a they're a fucking shit pissful club, aren't they? I mean, I mean, they're just you know, like you talk about getting fucking everything giving to you and then not having any fucking humility. I mean, like Jesus Christ, like you know, like, I mean, just that and and that's what made that 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 final against them up in Sydney so much better. You know, like that. I think mm. that that game particularly, seeing them, you know, claw and gouge and fucking be dirty scumbag bloody football players you know like you sit there and go you know what you've you've created this and we still fucking beat you and you still haven't done anything since then so stick it up yeah and i'm like and that's and that's i mean that's the modern day rivalry for me i mean like i there's no other clubs i mean like you know collingwood yeah you know everyone likes to throw stones at collingwood but you know, and, and, and it's not even Collingwood. It's the bloody supporters. You know, like, so it's it's not a, a hatred of the club or a rivalry. I mean, they're, they're, they're good enough. I mean, and to be honest, you don't need a hate on them because they fuck it up anyway. So, like, they, they, yeah. they mess it up themselves. But 
when you look at a team that's just been shit, it's it's been the Giants and, you, and, and and the way they've treated the dogs. So, you know, their their future will be their punishment. <laughs> They're all jumping ship anyway. <laughs> to anyone listening to this, it's appropriate we're talking about the Western Bulldogs because it sounds like you're in a club. There is a music pumping in the background. <laughs> it's very Western suburbs. You're, roll- you're rolling down the street in your Commodore with the windows down, just music pumping in the background. I do love the the rivalry between the Bulldogs and, and GWS. I had Alex Williams on the show who's a big Giants fan and you know, he's talking about like the Bulldogs are the team that the Giants love to play. Like they, as far as they're concerned, 2016 was an aberration. You know, it was an amazing game, but they still hold on to that as a time when they should have stood up and they didn't. And so I look, I, I, I understand what you're saying about the Giants. I've been to a few Giants games and they are like their supporters are the real deal. They're not just kind of fly by nighters. They're there. It's weird in a lot of ways the Bulldogs and the Giants should be friends because they're the West of Sydney and you're the West of Melbourne. You have a lot more in common than you'd like to admit. But the rivalry is amazing. I must admit, I went to a final with you in 2019, the one, the elimination final where the Bulldogs lost, where Toby yep. Green just went berserk. And you guys were so like, you know, rabid and it was great, but you lost. But I did remember talking to you and your brother after the game and you were like, look, it sucks, but geez, Toby Green's a good player. <laughs> you'd love to have Toby yeah. Green in your team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a piece of work, but I mean, he's but um, you, you know, if he's in your club, if he's in your team, you'd like to have him playing for you. When you, I mean, like, there's definitely like, and and you've, I mean, you, you've always kind of had those players, and you know, you've had a couple in your team as well. Like, you know, everyone kind yeah, of the perception building was the piece of work too, wasn't he? You know, yeah, but yeah. um, but but you kind of you wouldn't mind him in the pocket, and and it wasn't until recently. I mean, this Christmas that just passed, I all afternoon sat down and had beers with Milne. And um, yeah, right. he, so, and I, I never met him before. Shit, he's a good bloke. You know? Did you ask him <laughs> you know, about the a... bounce of the ball? Did you ask him if that bounce keeps him up at night, like your mate yeah. Charlie? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I didn't, but I will next time. But um, I've, got, I've actually got a really, I've actually got a really good core mate, of core, core group of mates who are all St Kilda supporters, and I mean rusted on St Kilda supporters. So um, it, it's funny that for a club that there's kind of been an unofficial rivalry with and yeah we've lost a few flags here which you've then well not flags lost a few finals with you prelims yeah but you know but it's i've got a lot of similarities too like a couple of my best mates are the same killer supporters and you know it's there you can you can share the same pain you know what i mean we haven't mm. got one up on you but i mean we yeah well, <laughs> we I mean, can share the I- same pain this podcast is called Two Guys, One Cup because it was meant to be about both our clubs having one flag each. But then in the first year of doing the show, the Bulldogs win and completely destroy <laughs> everything, the entire concept. Uh, is there a, a, a memory you have of, of the Bulldogs that is like your happiest? Is it, the, is it the whole 2016 final series and grand final or is there something that tops that? No, 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 no. Look, the final, it would be easy to say the final and, and, and yeah, amazing. Um, but I remember um, my dad, you know, giving his full paycheck, you know, to the dogs when we, you know, did the fight back, right? When we, when we were about to become nothing or merge with Fitzroy or something. Or, That's know, the, um, uh, I, that was the famous Up Yours Oakley campaign, wasn't yeah, it? Up Yours Ross yeah, Oakley. I, yeah, I, yeah. I remember that on my school book at work, at school. I remember it on dad's bumper of the, of the WB <laughs> and, you know, we had the pins and the whole lot and, and, um, but I remember the emotion around the club that day. You know, I remember being there when we were doing the tin rattling and being down at the club. And you know, you couldn't really do anything. It was just kind of like you wanted to be around the team. And you know, such an inspirational time. You know, seeing the greats of of the club around you and 
you know, Peter Gordon's always been such a brilliant leader of our club and, you know, he's, he did a great job with his presidency and I'm, I'm sure that Kylie will do a great job now moving forward. But um, I think that for me was probably one of the proudest moments you know, being a Bulldog supporter. It really showed what football culture is about and how much that club means to the Western suburbs. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, if you think about professional sporting codes around the world, like this was not that long ago. The Saints did the same thing. We were rattling tins for the SOS Save Our Saints campaign in the late yeah. 90s or mid to late 90s. Imagine like explaining to someone who goes to the Lakers or Manchester United that to keep your yeah. club afloat, like ordinary mum and dad supporters were out rattling tins out the front of a ground. Like it seems insane that a professional sporting code would keep a club funded in that way. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous when you think about it from a global perspective, and you know, you know, some of the big clubs, and you know, because everyone has this perception that football clubs make a lot of money, right? And there's all this money coming through it with sponsorship and everything else, but you know, it, it, they don't. You know, most, most football clubs don't make a lot of money, and you know, you even look at other, you know, soccer leagues throughout the world. I mean, some of those second division, even even first division clubs in the lower rankings, I mean, they're, they're in the same position, right? They're, they're mm. struggling. They're, they're, they're trying to find, you know, a couple of bucks to make ends meet. But that 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 was a, I mean, I've only experienced it through my club. I hadn't experienced it through the SOS and everything else. But it was a it was a real emotional time, and I was a young supporter then as well. So, and that was coming off after. You know, we spoke before about Chris Grant standing up and saying that he's going to be a bulldog and then having to fight that battle. And for me, it just really anchored my resilience as a Western Suburbs bulldog guy. And, and I've carried yeah. that through my whole life's journey. I mean, I think that it's one of those things too, when you barrack for one of the smaller Melbourne clubs like the Saints or the Kangas or the, or the Doggies and whenever there's talks of mergers or relocations or whatever, and they always bring up our, our, our teams and it's always kind of like, that's the only time I get shitty around. Like I'm all for like the national competition and, you know, keeping this sport as and code as professional as possible and the economic realities and all that kind of stuff. But I hate the way certain clubs are offered up as sacrificial lambs so that West Coast and Essendon and Carlton and Hawthorne, you know, can keep their memberships. Like It's like, you know, we're a foundation club. You know, we're one of the original Melbourne clubs and there is a history. Sure, we don't have the success of the premierships and stuff, but our story matters and I think you know that's why it's so important for clubs like the Bulldogs to have identifiable cultures you know that thing we talked about that working class the scrapper the big immigrant supporter base like all that kind of stuff is important because that is part of the narrative that makes up our game what do you think is the culture of the Bulldogs beyond you know what we've talked about what, what would you describe it to people as being like oh as, as a supporter base or in the playing group what do you uh, as, a, you as a supporter as a club as an entity Oh, um, geez. I, I, to be honest, I, I, I live it. You know, I, um, I've never experienced more. I mean, this year, we think about the, well, the year that just passed, right? 2020, and most people want to write it off. I mean, I, I see, I've seen so many positives come out of last year. None more than this. And, and this is no bullshit, hand on heart. None more than the, than the support, the trust, and the loyalty that I have found through my Bulldogs community. Like I, I launched, I launched a little business called Providor during during lockdown, which was a you know it's a, it's a multi-seller, high-end restaurant marketplace. I mean, it has smashed through all ceilings previously set by businesses, you know, post-pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic or ever will again. I mean, it did crazy numbers, and the only way we got that business up and running as quick as we did and to the level that it does, is with the community that I've established throughout the Bulldogs. Like I, I. I needed legal work done to get this thing up and running. My first call was to Peter Gordon. 
I needed to build a platform. You know, lucky enough, one of the relationships I've built through Red the Bulldogs was a guy named Jason White and Sam Salter, Bulldogs rusted on boys from Williamstown. They own a business called Marketplacer, which is a multi-seller, multinational marketplace. They did the work for me. We needed some help with media and media buying. Chris Nolan is a Bulldogs board member, one of the best in the bloody world. You know, these guys all got around me, all supported me, and still to now, I like to become mentors, friends, and I'm just going, you know what, this is what our club's about. It's wow. about, yes, you, 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 you're all got similar values and you're scrappers and you're working class and a lot of guys, you made a lot from not much. But when your back's against the wall, the chips are down, we're there for each other. And I just thought that, 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 that I didn't have to pretend it because I lived it. It was great. That's great. Like that's, you're the first person to have actually brought that up when I asked that question. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's ultimately what a football club is at a junior level. You know, It's a place to meet. It's a place to have community. It's a place to support each other. And the fact that the Bulldogs can have that as at the top tier, like, you know, professional sporting club, but there is still a level of access. You know, I don't know that if you were at one of the, you know, the, the bigger clubs like a Collingwood or a West Coast that you're going to have that level of access, you know, to some kind of power broker who works at the club. It's a really, really interesting dynamic. I mean, it's almost like Hawthorne claimed to be the family club, but maybe the Bulldogs can stake more of a claim on that. Yeah, I think we're the multicultural family club. I mean, I think what's been what's been great about the, the dogs, well, there's always a sense of inclusion. Um, I think and I think that we've really led, led that with, you know, um, whether it's cultural inclusion or, or gender inclusion. I mean, it's a pretty diverse mix of people um, in, in the western suburbs of Melbourne and, and, and everyone treats each other as an equal. I mean, I think you've seen that through our playing lists and then also mm. with the board and, you know, all the other people that come together. Um, it, it's really nice to be part of such an eclectic group. Yeah, it's funny too, like when I think about, um, you know, back in the suburban ground days when you were still playing games at Witten Oval and in that era, that like uh, Terry Wallace era, that famous uh, game where Michael Gardner, the number one draft pick for the Eagles, was playing at Witten Oval for the first time and as Danny Southern and someone else went up to him and said, welcome to the kennel and just started like body checking him and stuff like that. And it's so great because I think that, you know, the Bulldogs can have that balance of being, you know, that intimidating scrappers because they do still play, even though you've got a lot of silky players and, you know, you've got Bontempelli as a Rolls Royce. When you think of the Bulldogs on the field, at least when I think of them, I still think of them being a very physical contested ball side. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember going to a few, Games at the at, at the Western Oval in the mud with that slanting ground, um, and you're seeing some, 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 you know, seeing some pretty decent punch ups, right? I mean, look, it's you know, it's 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 not a part of the game anymore, and I, I understand why. And times move on, but we always, you always, I think that was always really good about suburban footy back then, was that you knew when you were coming to the kennel, yeah, you you should be able to kick a ball, but. You might want to be able to block a punch too because it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the membership slogan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to have like similar memories of going to Moorabbin because, you know, I live Bayside and so it was just like, you know, one a bus ride and a train ride to get to the ground. But I do also remember like standing in the outer near the animal enclosure and like occasionally you'd feel like a burning sensation in the back of your head because some dude's watching the football and he's like, you know, his cigarette's gone too close to the back of your head or, you know, I couldn't see the footy one day and so my brother's mate gave me a six pack to stand on. <laughs> like, yeah, how good is that? I mean, I mean they're, they're the best memories. I mean, we, I remember, I remember with my dad, my dad, my grandfather was a police officer back in Malta and um, my dad used to wear his, his trenchy, right? When we go, so with all the badges removed, obviously. But um, I remember my brother and I standing at the Western Oval um, 
watching the game in the pissing rain and dad had his big police overcoat on and I'm under one side and dad, my brother's on the other side protecting us from the rain and looking back at the stands saying, dad, dad, why don't we, why don't we scan out of the rain? He goes, shut watch the footy. He goes, that's for the Aussies to walk stand in the rain. <laughs> like, and you, like, I mean, could you say that now? And would that still be, you know, whatever. But it, back then it was kind of like, oh, at least we know our place. Just watch the fucking footy. But um, like, I remember standing in all those old cans, trying to get up and see people. You know, I mean, dad would come and he'd stand with his mates that he'd only ever meet once a week at the footy. You know, he'd never meet mm. him talk to him any other time. They do their thing. My brother and I would run to the front, you know, to the to the to, to the fence, you know, right between the races where the you know refs come out of and the and the players would run out of, and you you you'd create these unbelievable relationships and you could just while out, right? You, you there as a thirteen year old kid going fuck this, fuck that, rah, rah, rah. Uh, you'd never do that next to dad because he'd give you a big clip around the ear hole. But uh, it was just it was just like it was pure, it was fun, and you know it was I was really, I think we we're both really lucky to, to to be brought up in that era of footy. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I do often sort of talk about, like, I'm conflicted because on, on one hand, I love the convenience of Marvel Stadium, you know? Yeah. I love being able to, like, drive in fairly easily and get out fairly easily and have an ATM and have a selection of food to choose from. But there was something great about visiting, like, you know, a Franklin supermarket before the game and stuffing, yeah. like, some nice Vovos and a can of Coke in your backpack before you, you went to the football. Like, it doesn't feel like you can do that anymore. Uh, well, that was the best. They're trying to push your body, you know, trying to get my brother through those little turnstiles that you have to go through, trying to squeeze an extra person through. And, you know, like, it's just those shitty dunnies at the at the I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was, it, it was something, it was, I mean, it was a different time, right? I mean, I, mm. you know, you jump in dad's car and he's got no bloody air con and, you know, the radio was all crackly. And I mean, and dad had this thing about, he'd always leave before the siren. Like he would never, right. he'd never want to get caught up in the, in the traffic because the traffic shit house around the way. So he'd leave, even if you're up, you know, even like he crack the shins if you're losing, oh, we're out of here. But even if you're up, you would be like, all right, time to go. And you're like, no, let's just stay. I want to go on the, on the ground and kick the footy. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, oh, and you get in the car and, listening to the game on the way home and you're like fuck we lost but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway it was a good time is there any memory uh that is like your most crushing memory to the, to the bulldogs was there a game or a moment um no look i mean i remember um geez i think we were with you guys it was before 2015 we got knocked out against the hawks didn't we? Oh, yeah. That, no, the final, Adelaide. The Adelaide. Adelaide? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Oh, I remember yeah, I, it was. No, it was Adelaide. It was yeah. 100% because I could take. So we, we watched the game. We left. That's right. We were there with you. With you. Yeah. And, and I remember walking over the – I remember walking back into the city with thousands of Bulldog supporters feeling so – right. That was the walk to the G, right? Before the game yeah. was the walk to the yeah. G. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember walking back crushed, like – like really crushed and then i got a phone call from a mate of mine who who's a big adelaide supporter lives in adelaide and i was i didn't i was it was a mix of emotions that day i was walking up there i was was disappointed i was angry i was all over the shop and then poor bloke adam sanderson's name sorry adam i mean i'll give you a story now but he um he rang me and tried to be a smart prick and like ah fucking yeah and and I and I unleashed on this guy, like I haven't unleashed for like it, it, I was spitting and like you fucking, 
fucking kill you. Like, I mean, and people look at it, like all that anger and that I couldn't, I just ripped, ripped through him. And like, I haven't, I don't think I've seen him or spoke to him since, but it was just oh, like, man. oh, I remember, I remember, I just, I felt sorry for him, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> I picked the wrong guy it, on the wrong day yeah, at the wrong time. It was, it was, oh, I was pretty crushed that day. But anyway. Well, it had, it had a happy ending. Only 12 months later, it was a happy ending. If the, yeah. um, if, if the Bulldogs were to fold, if there was no women's team, if there was no men's team, do you think that you would continue following football? Would you pick another team? Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's too much of a part of my life. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I, I love the off-season. I love the, I love the pre-season. I, I, I love it. It's part of Melbourne. I'm a Melbourneian. I will always be a Melbourneian. I, I don't think I'll ever live in another state. I don't think I'll ever live in another country. I'll always be here. So, yes, I, I, if there was no dogs, I wouldn't just be one of these guys that kind of sits on the outer. I'd, I'd get behind another team. Um, but there would have to be no dogs. Like, it wouldn't be me making a conscious decision, oh, I'm leaving the dogs and going to support fucking Frio. That's never going to happen. Um, it, it would, yes. That's is it. there any any idea of who that team might be? Is there any team that you have, like, an affection for? Yeah. Uh, well, look, you know, you, you kind of look for teams with the same values, right? I mean, and, 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 how you, and how do you learn the values of a club? I mean, like, you know, I, I know for people you know, for experiences, I've got a lot of St. Kilda friends. Um, I've got a lot of Richmond friends. A ton of them. Get you know, on and, that one. And I, <laughs> Don't wait. Yeah, like, yeah they're, they're doing, they're doing all right at the moment. And, and, yeah. I've got, and I've got a lot of friends, you know, like, you know, Benny Gale's a mate and, you know, and, and Dimmer's right. been a, a, a really good guy. And like, we know a lot of the guys there. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're both clubs that I've followed. I, I know that I've, I'm not, I'm not an Essendon bloke. I'm not a, I'm not a Collingwood. I'm not a Hawk. I'm not a Carlton guy. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not that yeah, I'm not that guy. It would have to be a Richmond or a Saints. Um, yeah, it would have to be a very good Richmond or the Saints, I Well, we'd love to have you. If you want to come across to the yeah. Saints, we'd love to have you, mate. At least the catering would be better at some of our functions. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Shane... This has been such a great talk. Thank you so much. Last thing uh, we'll leave people with is predictions for 2021. Like, where do you see the Bulldogs? Are you top four? Are you finals? What's your What are your hopes? Uh, I definitely think I, I I I think we're finals. I don't know if we're top four. I think there's some really strong big body teams that will always have. I think big body teams is what's going to be something that always is an issue for us. Um, not always, but I think still today is an issue for us. Um, I think we've got a really good depth in the list. Um, a lot of talent. Um, which will help pull us through. So I, I definitely think we're playing playing finals. So, you know, you'd like to think you've got what it takes to go the whole way, but it's it's at the moment, it's just, you can, it's not about lists. It's not about money. It's it's about what you can sustain an injury, right? I mean, so who knows what the list is going to look like at the end of the year, um, but we've definitely got the will, for, the, the will, the desire, the passion um, and the skill. So let's see how we go. It kind of feels like, if you took Richmond out of the equation, then it opens up a lot. I still feel like Richmond are still like, you know, the team to beat. But if for whatever reason, they don't have a great year. But having said that, and I thought 2020, Richmond were not having a great year and they still won the bloody thing. So bloody nice. They're not, they're not that bloody good, mate. Don't give them too much fucking props. I mean, <laughs> Dimmer's going to call I mean, you I mean, after I mean, this. I think, uh, yeah, they're a good team. They've got a lot of positives. But I think that they're, what they've been able... I think the, the best thing that Richmond are about to do is that they've been a good team. You know, I think that on and off the field, they've been a great team. I mean, there's been some things recently would have, would probably test that how good that team can be. I mean, they've always been really good. Their wives have always been friends, and everyone's always been friends. Um, 
Um, but um, I think that there's a lot of good teams out there. And how good do you reckon Bont can be? How far can he go? I think he can be one of the best players in the, you know, of all time. I think he's, I think he's, he's, a, he's a good person at his core. Um, he's unbelievably talented and he can play in any position. So I think that the world's in his hands. Hopefully he doesn't, you know, you just touch wood and hope he can stay healthy. Shane, thanks so much. No worries. Good to see you, mate. We are two guys, one car.